If you're raising a concern with your employer, they are there to care for you. You raise that concern and there's no action and you're completely gaslit. Oh, quit on the spot. (laughs) Right, your resignation. G'day guys and welcome to Holly the OT Podcast. My name is Holly and I am an occupational therapist looking to create a judgment-free zone for all OT students, new grads and early year therapists. Join me as I give my honest opinions on the highs and the lows and the ins and the outs of being an OT. Before I start today's episode, I'd like to acknowledge the Awabakal people who are the traditional custodians of the land this episode was recorded. G'day guys and welcome back to episode 7 of Holly the OT. Absolutely wild, 7 episodes. 7 is not a significant number, I don't know why I'm emphasising 7, but I just looked, number 7, good stuff. Welcome back to part 2 of why are so many new grad OTs burning out If you haven't listened to part one, I would highly recommend everything I'm touching on today will be a follow on of part one. And yeah, it just probably will make a little bit more sense. I mean, do what you want, listen to what you want, but that would be my recommendation. If you're here from part one, thanks so much for listening chronologically. That is awesome. Very proud of you. Good stuff. (laughs) I often, when I go and watch podcasts, I often think, oh yeah, I'm going to listen to part two first. Like, I'm going to go against the grain. Never works. I get 10 minutes through. I'm like, yep, I'm going back to part one. So great job if you did that. (laughs) Um, Before I get into today's episode, I'm going to touch on my therapy wins for the week. And I have two actually this week. I do this at the start of every episode. Neither of them have anything really to do with therapy, I guess. So I might start wording this work wins or just wins of the week, positives of the week. Anyway, irrelevant. Uh, My first win is I got accepted to do a presentation for RDN in their Allied Health Conference in November. Um, If you don't know what RDN is, it's the Rural Doctors Network and they are in charge of all the rural health professionals, I guess, doctors, GPs, nurses, any allied health in New South Wales. And they're the funding body that give rural professionals a lot of support and students. They do wonderful, wonderful things. Even if you're not super interested in working rurally, if you don't think you'll ever do it, go and give them a follow. Like it's just really cool to see what they're doing. But yeah, I got accepted to do a a presentation at their allied health conference and it's all about the power of social media in enticing people to go rurally. So I guess I get to start doing some episodes on working rurally. So watch this space, but that's really cool. I was really happy about that. My second work win, not really therapy win of the week is such a small one, but it made me, it made me happy. Put a little, put a little smile on my face at the, the business I work at. We have two offices and I do all the social media and all the website and stuff for them, which is, I just enjoy doing it. And it's just an extra responsibility for me, which is really cool. And someone came in the other day and they said, wow, who's been doing your social media lately? It looks really good. And I was like, oh, it's me. Thanks so much. <laughs> um, and I guess in in the, the world of allied health, it's not super important to have a super strong social media. Our focus at the moment is more on on showing the behind the scenes stuff to help with recruitment and and showing what it's like to work for us. But, you know, it really it's nice that the families are following along as well. And yeah, that was a nice little comment. So happy with that. They're my two wins for the week. 
nothing else to really update. I, it's not been too long in between when I recorded the last episode, so nothing too much happening. But I reckon we're going to dive straight into this one. Let's go. All right, part two. Now, I listened back to part one just because I love myself sick and I just love the sound of my own voice. <laughs> just kidding, absolutely not. It is the weirdest part about doing podcasting is having to listen to yourself back, but it's an important part of it. You've got to do it. Anyway, listen back to part one and there was just one more point I wanted to add as to why you might be feeling burnt out and contributing to burnout whatever it might be, and that's sort of micromanagement and and not really having autonomy over your day. Now, this looks very different for different people and what you would prefer, but there will be businesses that will give you full autonomy over your calendar, which is what I have, and I love it. I love being able to schedule my day and know that the business trusts me to, to schedule it efficiently and whatever works for me because people like to do things differently. I'm very much a knock everything over at the start of the day and then have a big chunk of admin at the end of the day. Like I would rather do four appointments back to back and then have a big chunk of time. Other people that my workplace like to do one appointment, have a break, one appointment, have a break, and that works for them. And everyone's so different. And it also depends on the clients you have and your experience and and all that jazz. Now, if I didn't have that choice over how I scheduled my day, that would stress me out. Whereas other people, you might be like, you might have that autonomy and that might not work for you. You might prefer to have someone booking it in and take that stress away from it. You know, have admin do your scheduling. I much rather sit with my families and schedule it all out and know what we're going to do rather than leave it up to admin because it just keeps me sort of involved in that process a little more. Whereas other people will prefer to have it the other way and just have admin take full control over the scheduling. Now, it's not to say what is a right or what is a wrong way, but if you find that you don't have that control and you need that control, that will 100% stress and, and could lead to burnout. Another thing is like that micromanagement and the control of your calendar. I will randomly put time in my calendar. Like if I know I'm going to watch a webinar or if I know I'm going to do some training and I'll block it out in my calendar and that's cool. That works for my workplace. That's really good. But I know of some places where they will take that out of your calendar and book over that and, and not really consult you. And oh, that would stress me out as well. So that's just a really small thing. Um, but just wanted to touch that in at the start of that as another reason that might be causing your burnout. Now, I want to get into what to do if you're feeling burnt out. Like you've you've come to the conclusion that you're burnt out. You know that things aren't going the way they should and your, your time is not being used as effectively. You're having all the feelings and what are you going to do about it? The most important thing, and it sounds simple as an outsider, but when you're in that moment, it really is quite tricky, but you need to tell someone. You need to talk about it. And you need to make it known to your business that you are feeling this way. The business can't change things if they don't know that you're struggling. Now, this will look very different for every workplace. Some workplaces, especially if you are quite new as a new grad, will be having regular check-ins, regular meetings to be like, hey, how are you going? Like, are you finding everything okay? Are you are you stressed out? Like, what can we do to help? Now, that's, that's a green flag. We're talking about a lot of red flags here, but if your business is doing that, that's awesome. It's giving you the opportunity to raise concerns 
before you need to make a big hoo-ha about it. If they're scheduling times already to check in and make sure you're doing okay, chances are if you tell them that you're not doing okay, they're going to want to fix it. If you're in a business where there's not really any opportunity to raise issues, chances are, and this is a very generalist comment, but chances are it's going to be harder to come to a solution or, or even get that meeting started. Again, generalist comment, but that's that's sort of the vibe that I've, I've gotten off places. Now, you need to tell someone. And I would say, like, start, you could even start having the conversation with your colleagues. Now, it might be nice to know that you're not alone. Or there could be some very simple things that people can suggest to you within the workplace that know how the workplace run as to how you should go about it, like who you should talk to. Maybe they experience something similar. Maybe they've been through it. Maybe they're going through it. If you don't have the conversation, you sort of will never know. Now, I'm by no means saying, all right, start talking with all your colleagues, like, talk about the business, slander the business, let's, you know, take them down, blah, blah, blah. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. Allied Health is a very, very small world. And if you start in that sort of toxic negativity, it will follow you. And it's just not a great idea. But you can have those conversations positively with colleagues, like find a colleague that you trust, like, hey, I'm really struggling at the moment. Have you ever felt like this? Do you know who should I talk to? How should I go about it? And having someone internally that can support you through that will be instrumental. Now, if you are having regular supervision meetings, it might be nice to bring it up just really casually in that meeting. Like, hey, I'm I'm just a bit unsure. I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. Can we sit down sometime and talk about it and make a bit of a plan? And if they are a good supervisor, I say that term loosely, but if they are a good supervisor, they will prioritize that. The minute they know that you're feeling overwhelmed, they will want to do something about it. Now, this also depends on the hierarchy of your business. Like, as I mentioned in the last episode, where I work, there's only one person above me. We're not a super big team and it just works. So there's just the owner and then there's me. Obviously, there's other employees, but he is who I report to. Now, if you're in a larger business, chances are there's probably a hierarchy. You've probably got a team leader. You've probably got a clinical lead. Then you might have management and and X, Y, Z. Every business will be different. So it's up to you to decide who you will go to first. But rule of thumb, you generally start lowest of the ladder and then increment it up as you need to. Things don't need to be formal and need to be a super big deal with everyone involved until it gets to that point. You sort of want to try the little things first and see what reactions they have from that. Now, how that conversation looks is, again, very dependent on your workplace. But my recommendation would be to document everything. Now, I hope and my fingers are crossed for you that if you have these conversations, things happen and things change and action gets done. And that's awesome because just because you're burnt out doesn't always mean it's the workplace's fault necessarily or responsibility to the workplace and simple things can fix it. But there is a chance that if you're feeling like this, it can become a bigger issue. And if you notice that things don't change, which I'll touch on a little later, that's a bigger, more organizational issue. And by documenting it, you're covering yourself. And by documenting it, you can refer back to if things don't change. Be like, hey, I spoke to you on the 8th of July. We spoke about this. You said you were going to do this and it didn't happen. If you don't have things documented, then you're sort of just clutching at straws if you haven't got the evidence. I'm going to touch on that a little bit later as well, like what their response might be and what to do if it's not adequate, okay? But that's the first and foremost thing you need to tell someone. Now, second important point, and you might be able to do this by yourself, you might need the support of your supervisor to do this, but it's important to acknowledge what part of your role is causing the burnout. 
Now, it's very easy, very, very easy if you're feeling burnt out, if you're feeling stressed, that you just look at the whole picture and you tell yourself, oh, I'm burnt out. I'm only a new grad. I must not be a good OT or I'm just not cut out for the NDIS or I'm just not cut out for work cover, whatever the position you're in is. It's very, very easy to look at the whole picture. And I guarantee you it's not. I guarantee you it's little things that over time have contributed. Now, if you identify what those little things are, it's easier to come up with a solution. If you start raising concerns and you can't identify yourself what the concern is, it's very, very hard to come up with solutions. Like if you just go to someone and say, I'm stressed out, their first question will be, why are you stressed out? What is causing the the stress? Now, it could be that it's your billables and it's your lack of supervision and it's your micromanagement, whatever it is. Or it could just be, hey, I just need a little bit more admin time, but you've got to identify. And that's the point of the supervision as well, is that will help you identify that. Now, once it gets to this point, once you've acknowledged what is causing the burnout and you've had the conversation, the workplace is aware of what's happening, this is when you should start to see action. Should in my magical inverted commas that you guys cannot see, but action should start happening. It's important to acknowledge that there is no magic wand. You know, you're not going to come to work the next day after having this conversation and all will be solved. It's going to take a little bit of effort from you and a little bit of effort from the business to find that happy medium place and find what is going to work for you. Like I said in the last episode, if you listen to part one, there is a reason that businesses have billable hours and there is a reason that they have those targets, but that's not to say that they can just get away with whatever they want just to bring in more money. So it's a little bit of you, it's a little bit of them, okay? Just remember that and moving forward, hopefully they acknowledge what you've told them. Now, let's talk things that might actually help the burnout, okay? If we're talking billable hours, if we're talking increased workloads, if we're talking lack of supervision, what actually might fix your burnout? Now, this is a really simple one, but just having more admin time, which could be really simple as just structuring your day a little differently. Like if you feel like you'd be fine with having back-to-back appointments and then you have that end of the day, really big chunk of admin time, that will be really helpful. I don't know if you guys heard that a huge truck just drove past. If you can hear that in the background, I apologize. But that might help. Or you might find that you need to have your day breaking up. You might find that you need to have an appointment and then a break, an appointment and then a break. So then you have that that admin time. Now, I'm not sure if most businesses are doing it this way. The last two places I've worked out have done this. But with the NDIS, I will see clients for 45 minutes and I will have 15 minutes in that appointment allocated for admin. So note-taking, session prep, session pack away, la-di-da. So if I have like a three o'clock and then a four o'clock and then a five o'clock, I really have a three o'clock to a 3.45 and then I've got 15 minutes. And then I've got a four o'clock to a 4.45 and then I've got 15 minutes. Sometimes that reset time is really, really helpful. Even if it's just to run to the toilet and have a quick cuppa and use it, use that time how you want and then do your notes later. But that time really, really helps me. Now, if your business is still, they don't bill that way and every business will have a different billing structure, but maybe you have, you just see 45 minutes, 45 minutes, 45 minutes, and you've done like an hour and 30, what's the mass? I don't know. Someone do the mass for me. Um, But you might not have that direct admin time. It might be worth having that conversation with your employer about, hey, can I have a little bit of time in between appointments just to reset myself and just get the swing of things? And then we can look at later adding that the back-to-back times back in. And that is, again, very dependent on your business. 
Now, my next thing that might help your situation, might help your burnout, and I am a big advocate for this one. My boss hates me. (laughs) No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. That's a joke. He's all about this. Take your annual leave. Full stop. Podcast over. (laughs) No, but if you have annual leave, take it. If you're in a casual position and you don't have annual leave, it might be taking some unpaid annual leave. Whatever it is, have time off, yeah? Have time off. You earn that time off. I know people that are just so not afraid but just like don't want to take annual leave because they just think you're not meant to. Gosh, I go on holidays all the time. I And I am very appropriate with when I take my annual leave. Obviously, I'm not going to take my annual leave in the busiest time of the year or when most of my reports are happening and or whatever it is. Like I'm strategic with when I take it, but I take it. And I come back to work, I'm feeling refreshed and I go again and do another hard slog and then oh, ready for a little break. <laughs> and that helps me. And sometimes all you need is just a little bit of a break to reset. You don't even have to go anywhere. You don't have to go on an extravagant holiday. Sometimes you just need a little bit of time. And it might be that you don't have annual leave built up yet and you have to you know, book it in for a few months time. So maybe just having a few days where you come in a little bit later or you, you know, work late one day so you can come back the next day a little bit later and have a slower morning, like things like that really, really help to just take the stress off a little bit and get you out of that grind. Now, I'm in a very privileged position because I have a business that allows me to do that. And if you don't have that in your business, that's fine. But just acknowledge that that could be something that might help and that's worth having that conversation. It might also help if your business has tricky clients and that's what's contributing to you and maybe you don't have the money to do a heap of PD over it. Maybe it's just something as simple as having having sort of case discussions and peer discussions within the workplace and let's all brainstorm, let's all get together and discuss this tricky client. That could really, really help. Now, it might get to the point where you have to, I guess, just rediscuss your KPIs altogether. And if it's gotten to the point where none of these little fixes are working, it might be that the expectation of your role is not suitable for you. And that is okay if it gets to that point. And the business is saying, no, we've tried all these things. We're not changing your billable structure. Like that is what you need to reach. It might be a matter of that position isn't for you, but I would hope that there is some flexibility in KPIs if you get to the point where you really, really can't meet them. But It's all relative to the workplace and we have to remember why those KPIs are there in the first place. Now, if if it really is the billable target that you're struggling with or it really is the lack of supervision that you're struggling with and there's no wiggle room from the business and it's just not getting any better, that might be a sign that the position specifically isn't for you, which is also so fine. But that that's just a few little things and I'm going to do a whole episode on when the position isn't right for you, like when you know it's time to leave. But something to be aware of, if if those little changes aren't helping and there's no action, then that might be that might be what it leads to. Now, I also just want to discuss if you've gotten to the point of burnout, like obviously we're at this point of burnout. And if you raise your concerns and you are totally gaslit, obviously, we know that it takes effort from a business to come to the party and restructure their expectations. And that's tricky for businesses, but good supportive businesses will do what they can. Like I said, meet them halfway. Like it takes a little bit from both. But if you're having a meeting with it, whether it's your supervisor or the management or whoever it is, and you're totally gaslit and they say, no, you, you should be able to do this. There's, you know, this is the bare minimum. You should be able to do it. That is an issue. 
And it's very easy to feel inadequate when that happens. It's very easy for them to make you feel like, oh, yeah, they're right. I should just be able to do this. Like, no, that's like, think of it this way. If a family comes in to see you and the mum says, hey, my kid's having trouble with toileting and he can't write his name and his fine motor's delayed. And you're like, no, that's age appropriate. They, they should be doing it. You're fine. And you don't even explore it and just send them on their way. Like, think of how absurd that is. You're obviously never going to do that. So why is it any different? If you're raising a concern with your employer, they are there to care for you. You raise that concern and there's no action and you're completely gaslit. Oh, quit on the spot. (laughs) Right, your resignation. No, don't do that. But it probably will get to that point. Like that is really, really toxic behavior in a workplace and no one should ever work somewhere where they're made to feel like their struggles are non-existent or their struggles are a reflection of them personally. Okay. Now I've said it, I keep saying it, it takes a little bit of both and we can't just expect businesses to wipe the slate clean and, and have no expectations for us. Like that's not sustainable for them but they have to acknowledge and they have to try something, okay? And there are businesses out there. I know I've heard friends have told me stories that they raise a concern and they're totally, totally shut down and that is just not on. If that is happening to you, there is so many opportunities and so many other positions out there and I guarantee you there is a workplace waiting, waiting to give you the support you deserve. And look, I guess that is just like point, like, point blank main reason why burnout might lead to you leaving that workplace another reason might be more of a subtle reason and it might be that you're just not suited to that work environment there might be like I've said people are suited to different work environments and it just might be that no matter what changes are made you just aren't suited to a fast-paced clinical get in, get out, see as many people as you can sort of background. Some people love that. Some people love that busyness. Some people love that high energy of their day. Some people don't. Some people don't thrive in that environment and that is fine. Or maybe people will say, yep, we'll make some changes and slowly over time you can see it drifting back to where the issues were in the first place. And that could be for a number of reasons, but I guess if you see it slipping back and you see it happening or you see it happening to the next new grad that comes through, the same thing that happens to you, I guess it's it's a sign that things aren't improving and always important to raise your concerns first. There's always going to be hiccups in workplaces. There's always going to be highs and lows and I'm never going to say quit as soon as there's a low. That's that's not what I'm, what I'm about and not what I'm trying to get across. But if you are constantly raising concerns and you can't come up with a solution together and it doesn't improve and it's impacting not just your work mental health but your life mental health and it's just not serving you then it's a sign to leave it's always best to try not to leave a workplace in a huff and a puff and always never like never never burn a bridge because you never know when you're going to need to come back and and need the support of that workplace or even come back to that workplace or need a reference whatever it is always try to leave on a positive note but don't let that stop you from standing up for yourself and advocating for yourself and what you know you need as a therapist we are going to be therapists for long times okay and I highly highly doubt that people stay in the one job for their whole career positions outgrow you you outgrow positions things change in the positions it's not what it was when it first started and if it comes to the point where you have to leave that job that is okay and don't feel like quitting a job as a therapist 
is any reflection of you and your ability. You know, you could even have the like a really, really great workplace and you're, you know, you're doing really, really great things and you're just not suited to that workplace. It's not to say that every workplace you quit is a bad workplace. It just means that maybe the way that business is run is not suited to you. Sometimes it can be like an internal fight. Like, I know I'm not really happy here, but they're not really treating me badly. Like, it's it's okay. It's fine. Like, things could be better. But if it's not serving you and you've outgrown it or they've outgrown you, it's okay to move on. Like, it's okay to get a new position. If you're in a position where they're really not treating you nicely, like there is like bullying in the workplace or toxic management or you're not, your pay is not right or things like things that are those no-go red flag things – do what you've got to do. If you have to leave quickly, leave. Now, I think we're done this episode. It's another long one. Oh, no, that's not too bad. You know, I just have lots to say. Sometimes I just have to press stop on the record and just gather myself. So if I rambled a little bit, my apologies, but I hope you're able to take something from that. And I hope even if you're not feeling burnt out now and you're feeling really good, I hope this just gives you some things to look out for and to maybe even support other people in your workplace or that you know are in the similar careers to navigate burnout themselves if you have any extra tips that you would like to add send me a message and i'll touch on it in the next episode but yeah thank you very very much again for listening and i will see you guys next time bye